Now, InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. When it comes to education, it's essential to teach kids how to read with precision and insight. That's the advice of a literacy expert who says we need to instill a love of reading in kids. With more, here's InfoTrack's Roy Mackey. Roy? Thank you, Chris. Doug Lamov is the founder of Uncommon Schools, a nonprofit school management organization, and the co-author of Reading Reconsidered, a practical guide to rigorous literacy instruction. The Common Core has been a somewhat controversial issue, but the fact is it is in place in many states and school districts across the country. How has that changed the teaching of literacy? It's a great question. You know, the Common Core has been challenging for a lot of teachers that involved being measured on a set of expectations that aren't necessarily clear and tied to evaluation systems that also aren't clear. And so there's a lot of reason for teachers to be concerned about how it's implemented. But at its basis, Common Core is a set of ideas that are actually quite sound about how we think about reading. And there are four of them that we highlight in the book that we think teachers can use to be more productive in the classroom. The first one is the idea that we have to teach kids to read more complex text, to be comfortable reading difficult text. That's what they're going to need to do when they get to college and in their careers. They're going to be able to read challenging literature. And so they need to be comfortable with challenge. And then to do that, they need to be able to do something called close read, which is to understand how meaning is made throughout the passage, not just getting the gist of it. Oh, I got the main idea. This is the document about the rights of citizens. Actually, it's pretty important to know exactly what rights are enshrined in that document and how they're defined. And then, you know, one of the other things the Common Core tells us to do is to teach more nonfiction. And that's critically important. The great majority of what kids have historically read in their K-12 education has been fiction or narrative nonfiction. And then you get to college, and what you read is non-narrative, non-fiction. And if you're not prepared for that, if you haven't read a lot of it, you're going to struggle. And the final thing that the Common Core really asks students and teachers to do more of is to write directly from text using evidence. And so despite all the challenges and the tensions around how we're going to be measured and how we're going to be evaluated doing this thing, these four core ideas we think are quite good at the core of it. And with a little bit of reflection, we think teachers can respond to them in a way that feels right and true to themselves as reading teachers and English teachers for the long run. As schools are trying to adjust to this new era, which is the more critical component? Is it the teacher or the teaching material? I wouldn't want to make the case against either one of those. The teacher always has to be the first thing in driving results in a classroom. But a great teacher knows that she has to have great teaching material and that you really can't have great lessons without rigorous content and without reading some of the best things that are out there. So I'll give a nod to the teacher, but you just can't ignore the importance of the content that you're teaching. Are schools using what you think is the best criteria to come up with their reading lists? Well, I don't want to generalize. There are a lot of great schools out there that do great work. But my gut is that with a little bit of reflection, schools could do more to come up with better reading lists, or honestly, schools could be more intentional about having reading lists. One thing that's happened in reading in recent years is that reading has become to us a series of questions that you ask about a text and a, a way of thinking about a text, asking and answering questions about a text. And maybe the text doesn't matter that much. It doesn't matter what text you're asking about as long as you can answer questions about character motivation and theme and setting, or maybe you can make inferences. 
We're talking on InfoTrack with Doug Lamov. He's the author of Reading Reconsidered, A Practical Guide to Rigorous Literacy Instruction. A moment ago, you mentioned vocabulary, and you do write about that. Talk for a moment about why vocabulary is so important for a student to succeed and how you would change that. I think there's just a ton of research around the importance of vocabulary. You can't really describe a concept until you have the words to bring it to life. And, uh, and we're really indebted among many sources of information to Isabel Beck's great book, Bringing Words to Life, Robust Vocabulary Instruction. She makes the point there that deep word knowledge is as important as broad word knowledge and that it correlates as strongly to student outcomes. We know that there's a 40 or 50,000 word gap between students of privilege and students who don't grow up in privilege and that we've got to close that gap. There are some real challenges in the way that we approach vocabulary. There tends to be a debate, should you teach vocabulary words explicitly? Here's the list of words we're going to work on and study. Or should you do it implicitly and merely expose kids to a lot of reading and derive word knowledge from reading words and text? And we think you have to do both of those things. That by teaching words explicitly, you demonstrate deep word knowledge and the way that words shift their meaning in different settings or in different usages. And that that's critical to students understanding how words work and understanding words deeply. But that you could never teach enough words through explicit instruction alone. And so you also have to have tools that you use to reinforce vocabulary words and make students attend to them and recognize more about them as they encounter them in their reading. One of our favorite things is what we call active practice of vocabulary words. Lots of teachers, I think, think of arriving at the definition as the end goal of vocabulary instruction. So who can tell me what they think the word discordant means? And then the students might guess. And what we've realized from both reading about vocabulary and watching great teachers in the classroom is that a more productive activity would be to say, discordant means when two things are out of tune or not in touch. Let's try and use that word. Can you think of a situation in which something could be discordant in music? Great. Tell me about that, Jamari. Great. Who can think of a time that doesn't have to do with music where there could be discord? Could there be discord between two friends? Good. How might that be different than discord between two enemies? Could there be discord between two countries? Tell me about that. And in each of these cases, students use the word discord in their answers, and they think about it in slightly different contexts and settings. So now they've used the word 20 times. And so this wordplay actually results in much deeper understanding and knowledge about words than trying to memorize a definition or trying to guess at a definition. And so we think that a lot of teachers spend time doing less productive things in the classroom than they might, and that one of the most productive things to do with vocabulary is, we think, active practice. What kinds of things can parents be doing at home to encourage reading? For us, the most important is reading aloud. It's so important for so many reasons. And this is interesting. Maybe I'll just start with a quick digression into the classroom. You know, there are a lot of people who will tell you you should never read aloud to students in the classroom, that it's a waste of time. And based on reviewing the research and based on watching great teachers in the classroom, we could not disagree more strongly. A couple things happen when you read aloud, whether it's in the classroom or to your student at home. One is you infuse in them a love for literature. When you read aloud and you read with passion or more interest and you infuse the text with meaning, you bring that text alive for students and you show them why you'd want to read this book in the first place and why texts have been the center of our culture for centuries, starting with oral texts. And not only that, when they hear their peers reading them aloud, it's ten times more powerful. And that's one of the reasons why it's so powerful to read in the classroom. If I hear all of my peers reading aloud with vigor and relish and loving reading texts, then I'm going to love reading texts. And that's just critical in this day and age. When students are distracted by a thousand pinging, whistling, blinking, flickering distractions on their cell phones, 
And at home, it's not much different. When you read aloud to your kids and you bring pleasure and enjoyment to your words as you read aloud, you show kids that they should love reading and why they should love reading. When you laugh with them, when you infuse a text with your own enjoyment. But even more than that, you know, reading aloud to students, yes, it increases their vocabulary because they learn words far in advance of what they can decode on their own. But it also exposes them to one of the hidden drivers of success in both reading and writing, which is syntax control. And so that's deeply important because when students struggle to read, it's often a struggle to untangle complex syntax because they just haven't been exposed to it. And so when you read aloud to your children, you expose them to vocabulary and syntax more complex than they're able to encounter on their own, and that prepares them for when they do it. Doug Lamob, the founder of Uncommon Schools, a nonprofit school management organization, and the co-author of Reading Reconsidered, a Practical Guide to Rigorous Literacy Instruction. Doug, where can people learn more about this? They can check out the teachlikeachampion.com website. Well, thank you again for joining us on InfoTrack. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. And for InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey. You're listening to InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know.